Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. So today we're talking with Daniel Spencer. He's an EL an ELO one, which is a Washington high voltage electrician. Daniel, how you doing? I'm all right. Um, yeah, I, I'm out uh, of California. What? Yeah. I thought I have ELO one. So you, did you work in Washington or no, are you? Ne- never have. Okay, my bad. My bad. Uh, I. You know what? That's because I just got high voltage. Yeah. And I assumed I made an okay. assumption. Got it. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm a born, uh, inbred uh, through the city LADWP. Went to their apprenticeship. Well, tell me about that. Where? What city are you working in? Where are you at? Uh, I'm in the uh, city of Los Angeles. Nice. Yeah. From yeah, San Diego, you. so I get okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful out here. You've been there. You've been there your whole life, or what? Uh, Southern California. No, I moved down here when I was in seventh grade, and I was raised in the up north in the Bay Area. Oh, okay, so I was born in Berserkley and then raised in San Diego. And I, I, I lived there till I lived in. I was just a wee a wee lad. Uh, well, I can't tell you what was going on in 1964 in Berkeley. That's that's probably who knows what. I watched but, uh, the movies. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, my dad was going to UCV. That's what was happening. My oh, mom went to the Greyhound bus depot. So then we uh, went to San Diego, which we really were from there. And then I. I went in the Navy, spent years in the Navy, and got out, and then came up to Portland, and I've been up here ever since. So. All right. Yeah. So, okay, so you have a lot of motivational uh, things on your Instagram. So, t- so tell me what. Tell me about yourself. Tell me where, besides the fact that you're that you were from the Bay Area and you, you know now live in LA. Tell me about you. Um, I'm a life coach on the side. I uh, started a coaching business. Um, Apart from my full-time job, high voltage cable splicer, uh, I uh, went through a whole body transformation about five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I was almost, uh, I was about 265, 270. Uh, before time. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before that, I was almost 300 pounds um, wow. about 12 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, I was drinking every day, eating like crap, you know, and just gained a bunch of weight. Three, 300? You weighed 300 pounds? Close to it, yeah. With like 295. Damn. So what did you do? I mean, you, so did you go to the classes first or did you just say, screw it, I'm just going to start working out? How'd you, how'd you, how'd you make your transformation? Um, it started with, uh, with getting sober. Started really? Actually, yeah. I started getting, well, with so getting sober. Too. How's that working out oh, for yeah. you? It's been great. <laughs> it's been great. A whole lot better now, you know? Uh, how, how long did you drink? I've drink. I used to drink since, uh, I was probably about 13. Yeah. I was 14 when 13. I started. Yeah. When did you yeah. quit? When it was uh, February sixth, two thousand and eleven. Oh wow! Excellent. Well played. Yeah. yeah Super I did Bowl eighteen. I did, I did eighteen years of sobriety the first time. I went back out. It sucked. Yeah. It sucked. And then I I've been sober for I think eleven years since then. So. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's a one foot in front of the other, right? Yeah. And it, and it, it's a, it's a drinking is, I, I can't describe it. It's, it's the, I, I, when I tell people and I'm very open about it cause I teach, I, I say, look, I'm, 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 I'm a drunk. You get me drunk and we'll be driving a school bus full of kids through a church. That's just the way it goes. And, and so I just don't partake at all. Right. And, uh, that whole experience of, of alcohol, it's like if even, even near beers and stuff like that, you can feel that switch engage. And once it's it, once it's in, there's no amount of alcohol that I can't consume and screw my life over with. Just yeah, that's why I've never tried it. I never I never even dabbled with it. I didn't want to have that trigger in my head and yep. revert back. You know, I'm hip. So you're you were drinking, eating, not taking care of your body, and you were an electrician at that point, or were you working through the process? Uh, yeah, at that time I was in the apprenticeship. Okay. Yeah, I was in the apprenticeship. I started off as a groundman for the utility out here in uh, in Los Angeles, and I was at that position for about five years. Joined the apprenticeship, and that's kind of where the drinking turned up. I was actually electrocuted when I was uh, oh. yeah when I was a four step. Me and another apprentice, 
we were in a we were in an electrical vault and he made a full potential contact 2700 volts phase the ground i came to potential grounded out on my leg um and after that i was just the drinking increased you know because of i was scared to go back to work i was self-doubt um not really dealing with it right emotionally right i kept everything in and i put it all on the bottom of the bottle uh-huh. yeah so then soon after that i had a realization super bowl 45 i quit drinking and uh, right after that i changed my diet i started taking food uh, from home to work okay. and i lost about 60 pounds lost about just, 60 just pounds. changing just changing basic lifestyle stuff yeah 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 i never joined a gym or anything at that time it was just okay. all the overconsumption of junk food and alcohol um and I stayed at that weight for quite a while, about five or six years, okay. uh, 260. And finally, me and my wife joined a gym. It was like a, a transformation camp style gym where you pay 500 bucks. They give you a challenge. You lose 20 pounds in six weeks. I crushed every single challenge I took. Nice. Um, so I, uh, I got down to about 185. Mm-hmm. And I just stayed there as a member. I stayed there for about three years. Learned a whole lot about meal prepping and how to build workouts, and I just kept that going. Uh, so let me let me let me back up a little bit. When you when you so people don't realize how much sugar is in alcohol. Oh, that's yeah. that's one thing for sure. That that beer. You know, I was a beer. I was a big beer drinker. So beer is like is like you drink a six pack of beer, you're eating a loaf of bread and wondering how come you're gaining all this weight. So right. so alcohol has a lot of sugar in it. Obviously, it's alcohol as well. Plus, you know, you can't metabolize it and it's a depressant. Yeah. And it takes like about 30 days for it to come out of your system to where you go, wow, that's a hell of a cycle to, to you know, release yourself from. Did, when, you, when you got, when you detoxed a little bit and started to, to realize that, did you feel better about not drinking after a while, like like where where was the transition when you went? Okay, I feel like I made a right decision because it, it it's not usually right the day you quit. It's usually <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it was probably about a month or two after okay. I quit drinking when I had got together with family and friends. Okay. Um, and that's when I was able when I was open about it. Actually, you know, so you started being more true to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. When people were asking, "Hey, you want to drink?" And I started saying no. And okay. later on that day, what's up? What's going on? And then finally, I just told him, you know, I, my dad was the first one I actually told. Excellent. And uh, I told him. And they I said, supported you, know, you, right? I mean, yeah. Obviously. Yeah, they did. Okay. So I, I've told people this too, that, that when you quit drinking, give yourself at least 30 days because that's when it takes about that long for everything to come out of your system and for you to start to feel like you've made some accomplishments somewhere and then you'll start kind of feeling better about you and then start the transitions that also need to happen. Yeah, I I, I found myself seeking something, right? Mm -hmm. I needed something to fill that gap. Um, I started hiking a lot. I started hiking quite a bit. Like every other weekend, I'd go for a hike right here in the San Bernardino uh, Mountains. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, And I mean, that's that's what uh, addicts need, right? I mean, you're going to rip the Band-Aid off of that wound. You have to have something positive to fill it up. I was going to say, so so you chose to to become athletic. That was – and I I was a runner for a long time, so you could feel like the more I ran, the the longer I ran. I would run – I would run – 10Ks three, four times a week. I mean, oh, wow. I wouldn't run them like professional 10Ks. I would just run 6.6 miles. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, 10, it was not a big deal for me to run two, three times, four times a week, whatever I needed to. I would run all the time until until I couldn't run, until my knees were like, okay, well, you've, 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 you've run that course. Do something different, and I got into bike riding. So, Yeah, I, I used to run uh, quite a bit. Even when I was overweight, I didn't do it that often because I would gas out, but I enjoyed it. I always enjoyed it. I gas out. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't last too long. Um, <laughs> That's but, a good phrase. I'm going to steal that from you. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you get it. You get this. You know, they say that you get the runner's high. It's it's 100% mm-hmm. true. You it know? is. You it start is. getting in your head and you start answering these questions that you've been asking yourself all along. And you, know, you get this, wow. these moments of clarity. And, and it was always the the push to go further and further and further and not, um, 
you know, I think one time I ran, I got to where I was running eight miles every once in a while. That wasn't a big deal. And then I ran 13 one day and I just came back on the couch and just curled up in a ball and went, that was dumb. I was ill-prepared for that. But in the Navy, we had guys who were triathletes who'd say, well, look, if you could run six, you could run 12. Yeah. It's just a matter of pushing yourself to do it. And uh, I was like, okay, but I'm not a SEAL and uh, that's just not me. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found myself in flow state every time I go for at least a two or three mile run. Yeah, no, I, it, it nice. definitely it definitely helps. Did you do AA or did you? Are you still in it or how did how, what'd you do for that? I went through Kaiser's substance abuse program, so it was just everybody was in there, grouped in for everything, you know, alcohol, yeah. pills, opiates, <laughs> heroin, whatever. You know, um, there was a lot of crazy stories in there, and that's kind of when I had that realization, and I told myself, I go. I told myself, you know, you you have a, a great career ahead of you. You have a beautiful young family. Uh, you just you're just weak. You're just acting like a bitch. You know, that's exactly what I told myself. I go, mm -hmm. these people in here have real hard addictions, mm -hmm. and and they've hit really rock bottom. I mean, I I hit what I felt was my rock bottom. Uh, I put my kids in danger, and uh, and that was enough for me to finally wake up. Okay, and then and then you just put one foot in front of the other until yeah yeah you, you, they, you, you get all the sobriety and then you you go forward to go well i don't need that shit <laughs> yeah no, and i mean that's and that's what the counselor told me you know he goes you can't rationalize i just have four drinks or three drinks he goes you have no control you have no control it's absolutely zero no drinks every day and you know they found out that there's a feedback loop in drinkers that doesn't happen. So, any, you know, if you go to the edge of a building, you're, you're, you're a utility man, so you're up on a pole. You're, you look down, you know, you're, you're 100 foot up in the air and you go, that's dangerous. But you got your safety harness on, you, you know all the equipment, you know the risks. So other people are like, well, I'm afraid of heights, I can never get up there. Well, if you work in heights and you've got the right equipment, it's not a big deal, like you're used yeah. to it. It's just not there. But if you could imagine where you didn't have that fear of heights at all, especially if you drank or something like that, or if it just happened, it's that feedback loop, that, that fear that, you know, keeps you on edge. When you get up there, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid of falling, but I know I trust my equipment. When you drink, you don't have that. That loop wow. is gone. That feedback loop is gone. And it, it immediately goes, it goes within, within an ounce or two of alcohol, it's gone. And that once that feedback loop is gone, that's when your brain goes, well, shit, man, the world's, my, world's my oyster off we go. Yeah. And right. that's and, and and you know last time I last time I went to quit it took it took eleven goddamn months to quit wow. eleven freaking months and I had I mean it I really 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 struggled with it and I finally figured it out now that they say that you know this feedback loop once that once that made sense to me I was like oh okay this is just like any other goddamn addiction I'll just you know just not do that and then we won't have the issue and that was it right. that's all it took. Oh man, I'm proud of you. So tell me, <laughs> you took a 2,700 volt hit. Holy yeah. cow, what did that feel like? Um, it felt like the inside, it felt like my arms were on fire from the inside out. God. Um, we were sitting on a box. We were sitting, on, I was sitting on a toolbox. Um, we were on rubber blankets for insulation, mm -hmm. luckily. Um, and the people that were w watching us down in the hole, they said we both stood up. I, I don't remember any of that. I, they said we both stood up and then just fell back. Uh, I remember, I remember wake, like I blacked out for like a quick second. Uh, mm -hmm. I saw like this tunnel with the ball of flame. And then the next thing I was leaning back and my arms are shaking and I just kind of like, what the hell happened? And then it just, I was like, dude, you know exactly what happened. I started checking uh, my nose and my mouth for blood. And I, I was telling myself in my head, relax, breathe. Um, I was scared I was going to go into shock, right? Yeah, just, yeah. and that's um, a good call. Yeah, so I was just in my head mentally telling myself, try and lower your heart rate, calm down, breathe, you're alive, everything's fine. My partner was holding his hand. It was char charred gray, and he just kept saying, I need, I need to go to the burn center, I need to go to the burn center. And um, I didn't need any skin grafts. Uh, there were three. You, you, you didn't get third-degree burns, and he did, but you did. I, I did get third-degree burns, but they weren't big enough to require skin grafts. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And, uh, I mean, and that was just my self-talk, right? Cause when we had the tailgate during the job, they were, it was a temporary splice that we were taping up though. They were, the seniors were taping up and we were just putting waterproof tape over it. 
and uh, during the tailgate, I asked, how are we going to connect this? And it was two-bolt clamp, right? A 500 bus with a number six um, with a 500 KVS two-bolt clamp. And in my head, I was thinking, well, when they take that up, there's going to be a whole lot of bolts sticking out of there. But I never said anything, right? And that's that's what made me most angry about that whole situation was because I didn't speak up. I knew what the problem was. Yeah, I knew the risk. I, I, I knew that I had maybe a better idea. And I didn't speak on it. And what, would, up, what would the right way to what would the right way to have? We have uh, we have a uh, number sixteen wrapping wire. That that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say. Well, why don't we just use some number sixteen wrapping wire? We can wrap it on there, mouse it down really tight, nice and clean, tape it up the same way, and uh, we won't have that those two big old bolts sticking through. That's what I should have said. Yeah, uh, but and how many years ago was this? That was uh, 2010, August 2010. Okay, so yeah. quite a while ago, 13. Yeah, years yeah, ago. and then right after that, about uh, four, six months after that's when I quit drinking. Okay, wow. Yeah. What a great story, man. Oh, it gets better. Okay, keep going, keep going, because yeah. I'm, I'm, you've got me. So, I, so I go through the apprenticeship. I finish the apprenticeship. Uh, I'm a journeyman for about nine and a half years. Uh, mm-hmm. Promote to senior cable splicer, which is now the position where we get to work hot in the hole, right? Single phase, 2770 uh, bolts phase the ground. Mm-hmm. And we do hot work down there. And um, so it's April 27th, um, 2021, just over two years ago, we were working down in a vault with a link box. It's a four-way link box um, with uh, their solid blade, solid blade to connect the center bus to the cable that comes in upper left, upper right, lower left, lower right position, right? three phases per position. And uh, this was like a non-switchable box. So the department made this single pole oil switch with two leads that come down and you stab them onto the blades. You close the switch, you fan the blade out, right? And you break load under the switch, the oil switch that's up on the street level. Uh, you open up the blade, open up the switch, it de-energizes that phase. So we had a job to uh, de-energize the upper right position and the way we're trained is to, if you're going to de-energize the upper right, then you work on the upper left position, right? And it's A phase, B phase, C phase. Um, so we're working in a four by six vault and the switch, the link box was up kind of high on the wall. So we had a four foot A-frame ladder and mm-hmm. I talked to my partner. I said, hey, if we have another four footer down here, it's, it's going to be in a bad position. I said, I'll work the lower left position. You de-energize the upper right. <clears throat> And um, he says, okay. And then that was, that was the last of it, right? And when we have a change of plans, you know, we're supposed to call an all-stop. Mm-hmm. We tailgate with everybody. Hey, this is what we're going to do now. We changed the plan. We didn't do that. And then communication, for whatever reason, just stopped right there. Uh, we operated the first position, um, the first operation where we opened up A-Phase. And... Um, my partner moved his cover from uh, from B phase to A phase. So now he has B phase open. Mm-hmm. And um, right after he had removed the blade, he hands me the blade and the removal tool. And while I'm putting that in the nose bag, he moves his cover. And uh, I kind of see him out of the corner of my eye. I do that. So I grab my lead. I put it back on A phase. His lead is on B phase. And I say, hey, man, are you good? He's yeah, all right. So I told him to close the switch, and the the close the switch, the oil pulse, the single oil pulse switch, mm-hmm. and uh, it just cross phases forty eight hundred volts right in my face. Oh my god, yeah. forty eight hundred volts. Oh. It was uh, it was gnarly. It was gnarly. Um, worst part about it is that the circuit breaker that they um, that we were working on for the circuit we were working on it mm-hmm. failed. It failed instantly. So instead of shutting off instantly, uh, it took the high side breakers in the station um, two full seconds. It took two full seconds of that thing cooking. What was your arc but, fault at that point? I mean, do you know? It was uh, 4,500 amps of fault current. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it in took. A, in first. a small void. Yeah, four by six. Uh, I was standing right about um, – Then we measured it all out. The center of the lead that I was holding was right at eye level. 
um, about 11 and a half inches from my face. Um, I had safety glasses, hard hat, face mm-hmm. shield, two layers of uh, FR. I had a mm-hmm. pretty thick hoodie underneath. It was, we were working in the middle of the night and some coveralls. Um, and while this whole thing is going off in my face, man, time just slowed down so quick. And I was like, man, is this like, why aren't you dropping down to the floor? So two seconds is going by it. And it's like, now you're moving fucking forever. Yeah. At almost at the speed of light. Cause you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. And, um, it finally shuts off. You know, I I finally, I, I had this thought in my head, like, man, if this thing doesn't shut off, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And then everything just went quiet. Everything went black. Um, Cause it was, it went through all three phases. It started like with an A to B, B to C, and then, and then A to C, it just burned through all three phases. Um, everything went black. Everything was quiet. And for a half second, man, it was just like peace. And uh, then my chest was burning from all the smoke inhalation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I take my heart, my face shield, and I remove it, uh, throw my safety glasses off, and my coveralls are still on fire. They're they're like in flames. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a glove. We have gloved hands, uh, mm-hmm. rubber gloves with gauntlet keepers. So I pat the fire out, call for the ladder, and um, I climb out of there. And um, we have these burn gel masks. They're like burn gel um, for... They're like uh, gauzes that are impregnated with like a mm-hmm. water gel. Yeah. So uh, they got one, put it on my face. Um, a couple yeah, minutes later. a lot of UV, a lot of UV burning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just thermal. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was instant cooling. And I started taking photos right away, right away. I, was, I sat on the bumper and I, I asked one of the guys, I go, how's my face look? You know, and I had long hair, full beard and they're like oh you're still handsome man i was never handsome you know just (laughs) happy to be alive right talking shit still um so i started taking photos typical work guys oh you look great yeah you look great man no worries (laughs) um uh so yeah they um i ended up spending 10 nights in the burn center i had two Mm -hmm. skin graft surgeries two skin graft surgeries and um i was off of work for five months and during those whole five months, like those, it was just a whole lot of reflection, you know, mm-hmm. um, the type of worker that I thought I was self doubt of guilt, guilt. Cause my other partner, he got burned on his arm. Um, and I was just kind of rethinking my whole career, you mm-hmm. know, like, dude, like I was scared. I was scared to go back. My wife didn't want me to go back. She was like, what the fuck? This is the second time. Yeah. 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 You know, like, um, she's been with you for both of the, how many kids do you have? I have two, I have yeah, two, okay. uh, 18 year old and, and my son's 14. Yeah. And, uh, so this whole time I'm off, I'm thinking like, what can I do? Like I had a friend, I have a friend who retired from the post office and he's, he's in real estate. Right. And I'm like, I could learn mm-hmm. that. I could learn that. I could do that. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't really take the steps to implement anything. I ended up going to counseling. I, I got a psychi- psychologist and, and mm-hmm. to help with the nightmares and stuff. Uh, so I, I get back to work. So, um, you, so you have, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. You're dealing with PTSD at this point. Yes. I mean, because of, of the, this is the second time this has occurred. You, you walked away from this essentially fairly damaged, but okay. Did you lose yeah. any vision or, or anything like that? No, you know, Hearing? that was, nothing wow nothing. man yeah the 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 ppe that we wore it saved it, it saved was right life. it was spot on I, I i show my students the the arc fault i show my students the the and i'll go back to where you're at i show my students um a guy who uh at a at a warehouser plant in south carolina who or north carolina one of those two he basically goes to meter out a hog motor and it's a 2700 and he goes phase to phase and it wow. just it just yeah. burns him up. it burns him up completely and he's taken like a like a, a basically a fluke and oh, he wow. thinks he's on 600 but he's not he's on 27 and he just goes like phase a to c wow. right across it and you know the 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 description and then i show him the arc fault videos of uh, exactly where when you're wearing the suit yeah. of, of, you know how much the the how much 
uh, you know how fast the arc flash is, the amount of the amount of BTUs that are coming out, the having the wrong clothing on, what happens, what happens when you have the right clothing on, all that stuff. So I'm pretty familiar with it. Yeah. But I'm also a limited energy electrician, <laughs> so I'm like. Yeah, that's the only thing that didn't get burned on my face was was right here. Yeah. You know, my eyebrows got singed a little bit, but I didn't have any burns here to here. My nose. Um, I don't know if you can see like the discoloration. Yeah, the discoloration there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, so you're so you've got some PTSD you're dealing with. So you go to see a psychologist and, and yeah. sit down and kind of talk about what happened then. Um, they kind of just helped me realize like even though I, I was holding a whole lot of the blame, I I, I held myself hundred percent responsible, right? Huh? And they were like, Well, I mean, you weren't the only one down there. You know, you were, you had a partner who didn't communicate with you as well. You know, there was just a whole bunch of different things leading up. And then she says, just think about what you did right though afterwards. Mm -hmm. you know, don't focus so much on the negative, focus on the rescue after, you know, how you handled it and what you did to make sure everyone else is. Cause my other partner was still down there and I'm like, dude, where is he? What is he doing? Let's get out. Um, and also when I got back to work, they had just finalized the investigation <clears throat> and they asked me if I wanted to go with them for the safety meeting at the yard I worked at. And uh, I just, it just clicked on my head. And I, I said, you know what, I'll go to every single meeting. If my supervisor will let me go with you guys, I said, I'll go to every single safety meeting that you're holding and I'll talk about my accident. Okay. And uh, they agreed and we did it. And I, I spoke after they presented the accident, the, the cause and the aftermath. And I just spoke about it, you know, just like we're doing right here. I, I talked about what led that, up to that it, helps how you I felt. Your, it helps you in your trauma, right? It, it's a, also a part of your therapy, yeah. trying to talk about it and get that out and, and not hold it in. It did, absolutely. And one of the things that, that my therapist had suggested to me also was journaling. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> journaling, whatever, you know, how I felt about that or whatever's going on here at home. And I still do it every morning to this day. Good. And, uh, and, and that helped me up. It, like you said, it helped me. It helped. That was part of my healing process. Um, but also going back into the gym, you know, I'd wake up with a nightmare in the middle of the night and I'd go in the garage and just work out, you know, and I'd, I'd work out and I'd hit sets and I'd tell myself like when I start to get tired or the muscles start to get fatigued and I I'd just close my eyes and I would imagine myself next to my gurney in my hospital room, you know, putting myself there while I'm doing the workout, telling myself like what you're doing right here doesn't hurt as much as how it hurt then, you know? So keep pushing, Excellent. keep going. Yeah. And, uh, and I got some, some pretty good size. I uh, got a, gained a lot of good weight. And, uh, then I just kind of wanted to help other people the same way, you know, what I went mm -hmm. through. I, I found a coach online who showed me uh, how to use Instagram as the tool for that, you know? Okay. So I already had my Instagram page up. It's reps and double time. And I was just doing work. I was just posting work stuff and, you know, some, some workouts that I would do at the gym I was at. And I never really had a whole lot of followers. And then once he's, he's he says, you know, you're, your journey is a whole lot more than just your body transformation. Mm -hmm. you know? He says, you could inspire a whole lot of people, not just in your trade, but anybody that follows you, you know, you overcame alcoholism. Um, you know, my parents divorced when I was, when I was in sixth grade and, and it took a huge toll on me. You know, I was like, not, I was a little depressed, you know, of course mm -hmm. I was heartbroken, dealt with a lot of loneliness um everything my drinking led to me almost getting divorced and he goes bro he goes you you beat all of those things you know he yeah, says you did you you beat it. yeah yeah you know um the mind transformation because my mindset was just full of self-doubt even before this accident you know and now after that after overcoming that and sharing my story um my ego burned away that night that's that's what I tell everybody, you know, they're mm -hmm. like, dude, how can you share all these things on, on Instagram with who knows who's watching? I go, what am I going to be scared of? What am I scared of? Yeah. Why not? You know? Why not be yeah. open? 
Why not be open? There's, there's a billion people being closed. Honestly. Yeah. I, I um, so I'm an alcoholic, right? Recovering and, and moved on with my life. Uh, I also buried both of my kids and went oh, through all that trauma there. I've, yeah. You know, mother committed suicide. I've been through all kind of batshit in my life. Did the same thing. Saw a number of counselors and eventually saw a woman uh, here in Oregon that uh, has a, was a, um, had a PhD and, and she was brilliant. I mean, she really, 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 really helped me get a hold of myself. And uh, it, it, so I understand exactly what 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 you've done and, and how when where you've come from. And I don't think when I tell people that, you know, they're go, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Well, I, I appreciate it. But don't don't worry about it. Like I, I've, de I've dealt with this. I've, I've done. Yeah. I've been through the grief. I've been through all of those stages. And you probably have experienced this too. Time, you cannot go back in time and change anything. Like there's right. nothing back there that you can change. Well, you can learn from it. You can change events as you move forward because you're making decisions that are better for you and better for other people. But you can't go back and alter what the hell's happened. There's just, it's just impossible. And so all you can do all you can change is you. That's it. You're the yeah. only thing in this equation that's the variable is what you do and how you do it and how you affect others. Yeah. And it's become my, my life's, it's my, it's my philosophy. It's who I am. It's one of, the, one of the reasons I do this podcast and it's one of the reasons I teach. I don't teach because it makes me a million dollars. I teach because I want my students to, to eclipse me. I want them to be better than me. I want them to kick my ass when they get out here and they do this job. Yeah. And a lot of them are. They're, they're nice at threes and they're moving up and they're, they're doing their thing. I couldn't be any more pleased. If, if, if one person learned something from me and moved forward and, and made a positive change in their life, that's it. I can die a happy yeah. man. But if I, if I can affect 100, then that's just, that's just icing on the cake. That's exactly right. Thousand, then that's even more icing on the cake, and I don't give two shits about anything else. I don't give a shit about how people see me, or oh you're weak, or you're strong, or you're you, you've done all these things. Bullshit. I you would have gone if you had lost your kids. You would have done and 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 drank yourself into oblivion, or suffered all this shit and worked your way through it. You'd be in the same goddamn boat. Yeah. You got the same exact spirit, and I I love that about you. You're absolutely like, nah, man. This is me. This is this is. Let me help you. <laughs> let me help you with the next steps, yeah. so that you don't have to make the same goddamn mistakes I made. You can just be free of this shit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I I would say that at the safety meetings, you know, because um, one of the last photos that I showed was after my second surgery. Um, like I said, I was taking photos the whole way. After the first surgery, I woke up in the hospital bed and I grabbed my phone and I took a photo. Um, after the second surgery, I woke up and I grabbed my phone and I took a photo. And I would look at that photo all the time, all the time, even after uh, when I'd be back at work or in the middle of a workout and I wanted to quit, I'd pop that photo open and I'd stare at it because that right after that surgery, that's the one that hurt the most, you know. Mm -hmm. And in the safety meetings, I gave him about six photos and I said, show this one last, show this one last. And, and when the photo would be up there on the big screen and I'd, I turned back and I'd look at it and I'd just stare at my eyes because all the pain that I know I was holding inside. And I'd look back at, at everybody in the audience and I'd tell them, you stare at this photo and close your eyes and ingrain it in your brain. And, Think of the pain that I'm holding in my eyes. I go, use my pain as, as your teaching lesson, right? Use, use me as your reason to not take shortcuts, to, to not, you know, try and rush a job, right? Because if, if we don't take the steps that are necessary to communicate well or wear the proper PPE, I said, this could be you. So use my mistake as your lesson, Brilliant, stroke of brilliance, man. And the, and you're still in the trade. Yes. 
and yeah. and now you're life coaching so you're taking that and you parlayed it into a, into a, probably a second career yes uh, yeah which you know helps it does it, it's absolutely helping you know uh, my clients are mostly blue collar you know mm-hmm. uh, they're mostly blue collar and they come with you know problems of overeating right um some drinking problems and it's mostly just due to everybody saying i don't have the time to to meal prep or they don't know um what their proper macros are to burn fat and still build muscle um they don't know how to properly work out so i use a couple of apps that gives you the workouts with videos Uh, i set up their nutrition plan and uh, we have meetings every week and i can i can go and check to see if you know if they're over on fats or if they're under on protein and hey man let's try this out let's switch this up right and uh, and they're getting great results is it therapeutic to continue to help these folks like it is. I would assume it is it is absolutely um when i was in the hospital i was I was blaming myself. I had a whole lot of self-doubt and I just, I was, cause I was by myself. It was during COVID and I didn't have any visitors all day until three visiting hours were for three to eight. So all day, um, around the clock breathing treatments and stuff. So I had a whole lot, of, I had a whole lot of reflection time, right? A whole lot of isolation. You're around, and yeah, and COVID did just that. You're yeah. sitting around with that on top of it. So you can't even see your wife or your kids. Right. That was one of the hardest parts was uh, doing a Zoom call and watching my family through the window in the parking lot, right? You've seen those videos and, and that was rough. Um, but I had this realization like, you know, this happened to you because of all the shit you used to do. You know, I believe that this was karma, that this was karma getting back at me because I, you know, when after my parents divorced, um, I was hurt mm-hmm. and and I use hurting other people as my excuse, I guess, you know, um, I would put people down. I would lie to people, steal from people. And, and it was, to me, that was a huge wake up call, you know? So now I, I, I know I believe in karma and, you know, it states that, you know, what you give to the world, you're going to get back. So if I continue to do good things for other people, Mm-hmm. then um, good things will, will happen for me. And hopefully they will happen for my family. And if I keep repaying this debt that I feel I owe is a huge one, then hopefully nothing will bad, bad will happen to, to my family or anybody that I love, anybody that I care about. So nice. people ask, people ask me all the time, dude, like, why do you get up so early to work out? Because after work, I have to come home and be a husband. I have to come home and be so, a father. So what time do you get up to work out? I get up at two forty-five. Okay. What time do you go to bed? Um, like around 10, 10 okay. sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I go to bed about 9.30 or 10.30. It depends on I'm up at 3. And, uh, I, and I drive to a, a specific spot in Portland, and I ride my bike. I work up on a hill. So I ride my bike up the hill and ride it back down. Yeah. And then, you know, drive back home. And then I work all day and help, you know, tools wherever I got to. The, the place I work at is gargantuan, so I can – you know, sometimes I just sit on my ass and program for weeks at a time. Sometimes I'm out in the field, you know, yeah. putting shit in. So it depends on what my job is. But and, and the work never stops. And then we do, and then we do this. And, mm-hmm. yeah. I do this and I teach. And uh, I'm an equestrian, so I ride horses. Awesome. Uh, um, got grandkids and, you know, I got remarried and, you know, the whole the whole nine yards. I, I, I was married for 28 years to, and I divorced late and then married somebody that I really, that really cares for me. And it yeah. really changed my life to, to have somebody in my life. So your wife has stayed with you through all this shit. How long have you guys been married now? 20 years? It's, um, we just passed 19 years. 19 years. Yeah. So 19 years, she's been with you the whole time. Yes. It hasn't wavered. Absolutely. And then you see that, how that affects you because, you know, you can, you, you think you're somehow like good on your own and you realize that, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I, like, we have to complete each other. I hate to quote from Jerry Maguire. But yeah. You just, um, but you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I tell her all the time, you know, you saved my life. You know, we met and I was, I was 20 years old. Um, 
I was, uh, you know, my brother, me and my brother had an apartment. He's two years older than me. We were drinking, partying every night. I was selling weed and, and I met her and, and right away, I didn't want to leave her side. I didn't want her to leave my side. I instantly fell in love. So you and knew, she, so you knew that, that you guys were kind of, you guys were kind of like soulmates, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. She, she's, she's, she's tried her best. She's done a great job to keep me straight, you know, and I, I fought, <laughs> I fought a whole lot and it just ended up, you know, almost leading myself to my own demise, you know, yeah. just being stubborn. Now, did you grow up in San Bernardino or did you grow up, you know, in the Valley? Where, where did you grow up at? Yeah, I grew up uh, in the Inland Empire, um, okay, San Bernardino, Fontana. Yeah, you're all, so you're basically, a, never, you've been in the same valley the whole time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it could have been worse. Could have, could have grown up in Compton or something. I mean. Hey, you know, I mean, you know, it could have been a whole lot worse or it could have been a whole lot better, you know, and that's one thing I tell my kids, you know, yeah. I said, you know, there's people out there that have it better than us, and there's people out there that have it worse than us. You know, we just have to make the best of what we have. Well, I got to tell you that L.A., as a kid growing up watching what was going on in L.A., and, and San Diego was a microcosm of that. I mean, we had gangs and all that shit, too, but it was not like L.A. It was not like L.A. It was bad, yeah. but it wasn't that bad, you know, but we could see. But the influence was, I mean, I went to school with kids that, in grammar school, we're carrying our Snoopy lunch pail, and by junior high school or high school, we're in prison. And I was wow. like, wow. I mean, you yeah. know, yeah, they, I had a kid, a, a guy I knew with the Fallbrook and shotgunned a kid in the chest, and that was it. Wow. And he's, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's in prison. It, it, it was it was insane. So, you know, you, San Diego, California itself is a, is a nice microcosm <laughs> because growing up and seeing all these cultures, you know, and and, and especially, uh, I I did a lot of my my growing up um, south of Camp Pendleton and Oceanside, so I knew a lot of different cultures, from Samoan, yeah. Filipino, Blacks, you know, Mexicans, just you know, every, everything there was. When you grow up in a culture like that, and then I moved to Louisiana, <laughs> which was not that way. It was yeah. totally different. I mean, right. complete was complete shell shock I, I had no idea what like if if you grow up with every color in the rainbow every orientation you know surfers and punks and 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 gangbangers and and this and that you know my good my first good ass kicking came from a gang so i get it <laughs> and then you go down to this place where it's lily white yeah i mean and and there and there were you know persons of color in this school and i walked up to one guy to talk to him and he's like dude you can't talk to me i know you're from wow. California, but you can't talk to me they'll get my they'll kill me in this goddamn place wow. and i'm like you have to be shitting me this was still in the, in the early 80s and uh, he goes no this is they they it's i mean still it was very, very segregated. Is it, yeah very at that time it was very segregated the year after i graduated if you want to call it that it they they desegregated everything and just turned it just turned into a into a, a a hell of a fiasco. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I, wow. I ran my ass back to California. I ran my ass back to San Diego. Lived in El Cajon and and surfed every day until well boogie boarded every day until I joined the Navy. Every day, every, every freaking day I could. I was in the ocean going, Oh God, I miss this. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and that's then join the Navy, and then you're right back in. Uh, you know, with with every culture, every color on the rainbow, and you just you know, like you fit into that in my world, and it was just like, oh, thank God. You know? And there's only there's only one mission, right? Is to complete the mission and make sure yeah. we're all together and we're all safe. Yeah, and I mean, we we had our we had our you know we had our tough people and and some craziness, but and the job I did was was uh, electronics, so it was not very uh, it was you know all cerebral for the most yeah. part. It was, okay. And, and it was a was called what we call electronic warfare. So if you had an aircraft or a ship that had radar systems, we looked at the radars, interpreted what they were, decided if it were something we could do, and if we could, we did it. And so I did that, and I did. Um, Deception work, tactical deception work, and uh, I spent you know nine years, almost nine years doing it. So I I became pretty well versed at it. But my drinking took me out. I mean, oh, really? I oh god, yeah, I I I went and screwed up and crashed a motorcycle and hurt people and you know it, it was an E six and I knew that that I could probably steer my career and make up for the loss of everything I did. 
Um, in in the first Gulf War broke out, and I I just looked up and Dan we were they were like, well, you know, we know you screwed up, but now we want you to go back overseas and take a van. And I just went, I'm, I'm out. I, I don't want to do this. I don't. I don't. I, I you know, I came here to kill commies, and now we're not doing that. And we've changed yeah. the game plan. I just I, I'm out. I just got to get the hell out. And I got out. I didn't. Only, I didn't look back. I missed the the camaraderie. I missed the military. I missed the navy. But I don't miss the bullshit. And I got out and moved up, and I couldn't get a job to save my life, like at all. Like I wanted because to of people. because of the. Did you get a DUI or no, no, no? It was all it was all encapsulated in the military, and you know, even my evaluations were pretty much, you know, okay at a moment. But yeah. then I, I got sober in the military, so I was like, you know, look, I'm not drinking anymore. You can do whatever you want. But it was. I mean, it was still, I mean, I was stationed right on Coronado, right, right where the, in fact, the SEALs, the, the SEAL Team 1 and 5, I think, were right down the street from us. Uh, the Bud's Barracks, where they do Hell Week, we, we were right there in the middle of it. I, I just, I just wasn't in that field. That wasn't my right. team. It was doing something entirely different. And, um, and so we, it was a beautiful command, beautiful people. Everything was hunky dory. I'd, I had orders to go to Pearl and teach, and I I just said I, I just can't do this. I just don't want to do it anymore. So when I got out, um, you know, at that time you could in Oregon you could actually just take the test and use your military experience as part of your apprenticeship, and then oh, get a nice. license. So I did. I just yeah. parlayed that into getting a license, and uh, and then had to go out and learn all the shit that everybody else was already knew. And uh, I fell into fire alarms and never left. I think that I think that people are their own worst enemy when when you know when TV takes priority over your life, yeah. When, or when you know Cheetos are your main course. <laughs> yeah, and and that was that was that even that that vicious circle, you know, because mm-hmm. I would drink and I tallied it up. After I, I started using um, uh, my app to track my foods and track my macros, I was like, let me see what I used to drink. And I tallied it all up. It was I was drinking over 1,500 calories just in alcohol alone in, in the day. And then it'd be like 930 at night and I'd get the munchies and I wouldn't want what's in the fridge. I wanted two fucking tacos and some jalapeno poppers or you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? that was my go-to. Two tacos. I go to Jack in a Box, two tacos, seven mm-hmm. piece jalapeno popper. <laughs> Yeah. All fried. Yeah. yeah. All fried. All fried. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I totally get it, man. Uh you're a delight to talk to. Honestly. It. it just it didn't make my I, I have I have had I don't know how many of these episodes we've done, forty, fifty, something like that. I have I have met a, a person here I don't want to have on again and you definitely I wouldn't want to have on again. Honestly. Absolutely. It'd be a pleasure. So I want you we, we got a few minutes left. I want you to plug your Instagram site so people can find you. Yeah, my Instagram is reps, period, and period, double time. R-E-P-S and double time, one word. Okay. Um, you know, my profile picture is me with a big ass smile and no shirt. Uh, I I coach people online, you know, help you overcome negative mindset and remove your bad habits and, and put healthy ones that are going to help you improve your lifestyle, improve your health, and improve the lifestyle and health of everybody around you, everybody that I touch, I hope they touch somebody else. How did, how are your kids, way. how are your kids doing? How, how, out of all the stuff that's happened, they've seen their dad damn near, well, I guess they were pretty young when you first had your first incident, but the yeah. second one was, I mean, it was traumatic. How are they? Are they, are they well grounded? Are they centered? Are they, are they running amok? You is, is, is one out there banging or what? No, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, my daughter just graduated high school. She got accepted to UC Santa Cruz, and we'll be taking her up there in September. Straight A's. My, both of my kids have straight A's. Straight A um, students. Yeah, my son is. Uh, he he was in two bands in his high school in his junior high school. He's in band regiment. He's going to be a freshman next year. He's got a rock band outside with you know my uh, my my nephew and a couple of family friends. I, I couldn't be more blessed, you know. Um, and that's why I, I can't slip. You know, yeah. I, I can't I can't slip. If I slip then then they're gonna see you know, they're gonna see dad at his worst. And I was just right before we got on, I was gonna make a post about my son. Um, 
that he will he he won't remember me at my worst. Mm-hmm. You know, he won't remember what dad used to smell like or dad drinking a beer. He's never he's he won't remember me ever seeing you know having an alcohol al- alcoholic drink or you know disrespecting his mother. Um, you know, he, he's going to see his father, you know, loving his mother and respecting her and waking up and working hard and, and making sure that they have what I never had. Mm-hmm. And my daughter is, you know, she's going to go to college and she has a pursuit for film. And we said, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, I, I make enough money at work. I make enough money with my side business that, you know, we can pay for college and we can, we can house you up there and I couldn't be more blessed. And, and that's one thing that's, that's why I think I have to keep putting in the work, um, not just for myself because everything I do, I show on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're open. I'm open. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's going to help somebody, then I, I believe, that good karma is going to come back and continue to come back on us. So what, what your son, your son has got a band. What does he, does he sing, play? What does he play? He plays bass. He plays yeah. bass. He guitar. plays bass guitar. Is he going to be our next Red Hot Chili Peppers or what? Come on, be honest. Oh man, I hope. He, they oh, had God. a show, they had a show last night and, and they, they killed it. What's they the name of his it. band? Parallel Bloodlines. Okay. Yeah. Parallel Bloodlines. Their, their Instagram is parallel underscore bloodlines. And um, he was up there last night, and they've been practicing all week, and he's got these gnarly blisters on his fingers. And they, <laughs> That's yeah, what and he they, should have. <laughs> they get up there, and it's two songs in, and I see him looking down at his fingers like, oh, shit. You know, his his fingers are raw, and they're open, and he's like, Dad, there's blood all over my guitar, and he didn't miss one fucking note, man. Good. He, he's he was right up there game. rocking it. Right on his game. So your, yeah. girl, your girl wants to go into film, couldn't ask for, a, you know, I mean, you can't, can't miss there, right? I mean, yeah. The valley's right there, so you're good to go. He's going to do rock, hopefully, and yeah, I hope so. and he's got he's got a lot of talents in in that. And I, there's been no good bands that have ever come out of L.A., so you're screwed there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I was just jamming to one earlier, so uh, yeah, you guys. And does does your wife work, or is she a stay at home mom, or what does she, she want to do? Yeah, she's a stay at home mom. You know, like I said, working yeah, in the dude. city, been fortunate enough to. To her, for her not to have to work. You know? That's excellent. Yeah. She, you have, you guys are. I'm, I'm really proud of you. I really, really am. That, that is, to be able to navigate through all that with these kids, with your wife, and to yeah. come out of that on top of your game. Well, bravo, my friend. You have done. You have done. Thank you. Damn well. Really, thank you for coming, Daniel. I appreciate you. Thanks. All right. Tyler, we're good. Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend, the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios.